Hi, my name is Yasmin Terehi, and this is Startup Confessionals, where we interview startup founders and entrepreneurs in the Middle East and Africa. We'll learn about some of the biggest lessons these founders discovered on their journey, from the personal to the professional, and share how they keep themselves motivated. Today's episode is with Emilian Popa, who is an African-focused investor and entrepreneur. He's the founder and CEO of Alara Health, a high-tech point-of-care diagnostics venture which aims to democratize access to diagnostics across developing markets. Emilian has over 10 years of successful launching, fundraising, growing, exiting technology ventures in Africa, Asia, the Middle East, and Russia. And I'm so excited to welcome him to the show. So Emilian, thanks for joining us. Thanks, uh, Yasmin, for having me. So Emilian, I want to uh, dig into Alara Health and why you created it. But before we talk about the why, can you briefly share what the value proposition is in your words with our audience? Uh, sure. Um, at Ilara Health, we make diagnostics more affordable, accessible, and accurate in Africa. And, uh, and our vision is a world in which uh, early detection and preventative healthcare are accessible to everyone, everywhere. And the way we do this is through redefining uh, primary care across emerging markets, starting with Africa, by bringing those novel diagnostics and digital solutions uh, to underserved healthcare facilities and patients. And Emilian, can you kind of walk us through the product itself? So you have a lot of different types of equipment. Are there maybe some that are used more than others? Like, can you just briefly, you know, walk us through that? Uh, sure. We have um, so so in a nutshell, what we do at Ilara Health, we um, we bring um, high tech portable diagnostic devices to target the, the key health conditions that we see in the countries or in the markets where we are active, so typically in Kenya, uh, which are diabetes, cardiac diseases, conditions such as you know, antenatal care, pregnancy scans. So we scout to the world to identify the, the latest uh, um, innovative companies manufacturing those small portable devices. We bring them into Kenya, we test them uh, from both um, functionalities, but also from an economical perspective to make sure that from a pricing, from an ad adaptability to the needs, they work. And then we place them uh, through a leasing model into those small, many uh, medical facilities, which would be the equivalent of a GP practice in the Western world. We place them um, um, on the desk of the clinicians. Uh, and we connect them with a piece of technology to be able to give the results of those at a blood test or, or scans you know, through an ultrasound, give them back to the clinician and back to the patient in the eventually. And one important part is that uh, those clinics cannot buy, you know, your $50,000 ultrasound, but they cannot buy the $2,000 ultrasound either because they don't have working capital, they don't have money to invest in assets. So we lease those devices over 24, 36 months to make it affordable for the clinicians to use them. Um, so we're a mix of uh, you know, device company, integrator, uh, financier, and then we also build a solution at the clinic level to, as I mentioned, to, to bring those, uh, those results to the patient and to the clinics. Um, so we have multiple devices. Um, some of them are 
um, requested or there is a clear demand uh, in the market uh, and mostly for the very basic uh, blood test or for the for the scans done with an ultrasound mostly for pregnancy uh, some of them um, do not exist um, historically in the markets and, and in the setups where we are, in the settings where we are, uh, because um, you know because of a lack of education on, on diagnostics on both clinician and patient sides. Actually, I just want to mention that most of those small medical centers are run by nurses, so not by doctors. So the level of, uh, of education from a medical perspective is, is very low. Um, um, so some devices are are uh, you know, have a clear fit, immediate fit. Um, uh, the device is targeting the clear markers, the simple markers for diabetes or for you know, certain cardiac, uh, certain cardiac conditions. Uh, um, but some of them, some other devices, which are very, very important uh, uh, from a global healthcare perspective, uh, it, take, it takes us more time uh, to test them and to educate the market um, um, of the for the importance of early detection of certain disease areas with, with those diagnostic devices and eventually through prevention. I'm really curious how you were able to launch in that market because there's a lot of different types of you know cultural uh, nuances and complexities, language barriers. And as you were saying, there's definitely an education component uh, to bringing everyone up to speed on how to use the diagnostics. So how did you guys build your onboarding experience and how did you kind of build out your go-to-market when you were uh, accounting for all these factors? Sure. So um, early stage one, uh, actually, Ilara, what Ilara is today is a result of not only the, the past three years since we started the company, but it's a result, the result of me being on, you know, in Africa for 12 years and being very, very passionate about healthcare and then going into the field, even in uh, in my past career of venture doing venture capital, being going and meeting with those many, many small, uh, you know, medical uh, centers run by nurses to understand the to understand the need, to understand the people, the, the type of patients, to understand how the care, healthcare is delivered, to understand where the gap is. Um, so really trying to transform a passion uh, into, into something which, which can work from an from a economical perspective, but which can also make a massive uh, difference, a massive change. And what I've seen is that, you know, unlike um, a structured um, I would say developed market where, I don't know, let's say in the UK, there are probably 1,000 or so proper hospitals and clinics. In, in Kenya, there are 15,000, so 15 times more. But all of them are, are super, super small, so run by nurses who are super entrepreneurial. Um, but each of those small medical centers, which are usually one room or two room uh, with, with one person inside delivering care, um, um, make most of their revenues through selling meds. So it's, it's kind of a small pharmacy in a room and a nurse doing some kind of consultations and then providing very, very basic uh, diagnostics, mostly for infectious diseases, so HIV, malaria, syphilis, et cetera, TB. And, um, and when, uh, when patients need more, um, they don't have access because there is no laboratory. There is no proper laboratory as we know it from the, from the developed uh, part of the world. And, um, so my initial uh, impression was, well, there is no lab, there is a massive gap. Uh, uh, let's let's build labs. Let's bring the laboratory concept that we know from uh, from let's say South Africa or from Europe, from the US. Uh, but the, the challenge is that uh, 
the average Kenyan spends $70 per year in healthcare. Um, the average South African would spend 700. The average American would spend 7,000 or 10,000. So the gap is massive. Um, and out of those $70 spent by a Kenyan on healthcare, about 70, 80% is medication. Um, the rest is a bit of procedures. So the remaining for diagnostics is very, very small. So no, uh, you know, uh, no surprise that um, someone cannot uh, pay for a simple blood test, for a simple full blood count, or for a simple, you know, cholesterol or, or, or kidney or liver uh, uh, panel. Um, so there, the market is complex because number one, there is no money. Number two, there is little demand for some of the some di- some more complex diagnoses, but there is little demand because there is no money. So this this circle where, you know, one coming to a market like this would say initially, well, maybe there is no market. And you know, we've seen a lot of companies in the world avoiding certain sectors, mainly in healthcare, because in Africa, healthcare has been seen for 50 years as an as a non-profit sector, right? You know, uh, financed through global health organizations, through NGOs, through uh, through through grants. But the reality, the need is there because you know, 15% of Kenyans or so are pre-diabetics or diabetics. You know, 20% of, of Kenyan adults have high blood pressure. And, uh, you know, I was just reading an article recently that by 2050, we expect that 90% of Nigerians will die because diabetes and cardiac diseases. So so the, the, the need of identifying diseases early enough, and I'm not even talking about cancer and other things, is, is there. The question is, how do we make it affordable, number one? But how do we educate the market, number two? So we always, we started with the basics, really understanding the market, going clinic to clinic, speaking to the nurses, and bringing in the first very basic devices. Then we expanded into more clinics. And then we started to educate on those nurses with field agents. We have about 100 people now in Kenya. We go door to door. We step into the clinic and we talk to the nurse or to the doctor. And we explain, we try to understand the need, and we explain what devices we have uh, to cover that uh, that basic diagnostics. And because we make it affordable and because we build those partnerships, it's not just selling devices, and because we bring the data, the diagnostics data back to the clinician so the clinician can manage chronic conditions, chronic patients, it, 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 makes, it makes it very, very valuable. So we literally build an ecosystem which did not exist before in those areas. And we're not in the cities. We're not in the center of Nairobi or in the center of uh, uh, Mombasa in Kenya. We're in the outskirts, in those massive, massive belts around the, the African cities where, where people come from the countryside. They've been coming for years and years. And they, they, they build those low-income communities, which are much, much bigger than the cities itself, uh, and, and where there's little or no infrastructure. And that's where we, 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 we see the need. And that's where we are. Wow. Um, I'm so moved by that. I I think, um, you know, it's fascinating what you've built and also how you navigated the the ecosystem and also bringing back the data to show show the nurses and to show these uh, clinics kind of how to manage their patients, because I think that is exponentially valuable. So, Emilian, I want to talk about why you decided to start this company. I mean, you mentioned that you'd been in Africa for 12 years, um, that you'd been paying attention to this, uh, you know, this kind of culture and this land and this and the industry. But I, I'm really curious, you know, why, why did you want to start this? Like, is it part of your mission? Is it part of your legacy? It's, it's actually a passion. My, my, my goal uh, has been for years to live a long, healthy and, and happy life. Uh, and because I've been on the continent for so many years, I've been trying for a while to find an affordable way uh, 
for everyone else to to do the same. Um, and and I think we we are in the you know in times where we're really living uh, in in I'll say revolutionary times for healthcare, uh, thanks to uh, the digital health technologies which are developing very very fast. And I say I believe in this exponential growth of of, of health technologies and including uh, you know the, the the laboratory and the, the blood markers and the, the diagnostics. And um, and we know that uh, in the same way the digital digital technology has provided you know cheaper and better phones, smaller you know small you know fintech solutions which avoid banks. Uh, in our days, the digital technology can can help provide cheaper, faster, and more effective solutions for for prevention, for disease prevention, for detection and management. And and uh, this will eventually transform you know the the, the whole healthcare systems. Into into from unsustainable systems the way we see it in in the developed world where you know healthcare is so expensive and you know US is a good example of the cost of healthcare um, and I think this is going to change into a sustainable uh, system uh, thanks to the technology and and I'm, I'm I've been so deep into into this prevention detection for myself and for people around me and again this comes from family issues friends issues who either got very sick and and some unfortunately passed away. Uh, um, because of things which could have been, you know, uh, uh, prevented uh, if detected earlier or treated if detected earlier, be looking at how to bring these to to people who, um, you know, unfortunately cannot afford what I can afford to, you know, see see doctors and doing, uh, you know, uh, um, 30, 40 blood tests a year and I try to see what's wrong with me. And that that's that's that was that's, uh, that that was at the origin of what what Ilara is today. Wow. And so I want to talk about um, the financing stage, because that's something I think a lot of people are really interested in. You know, how do you go about starting a company? And like, what does it take, you know, in terms of bootstrapping in the beginning? Can you walk us through your financing journey and what led to your round of funding? And, and then also how your priorities have shifted based on the company uh, moving into a new fundraising round? Like, how did you kind of shift your orientation about how to operate? Sure. So we, we like like many many companies. Uh, I started this company with, uh, with it was self funded. So I built uh, a first pilot uh, with one test, and this was diabetes in in few uh, clinics around Nairobi. Um, this was in four or five clinics back in the beginning of 2019, and then uh, I, the goal was to to show that this pilot works, and then I went out to raise our seed funding. And then I introduced four diagnostics uh, to cover the, the biggest needs, so diabetes markers, cardiac markers, pregnancy, so antenatal scans and hematology. And those were the, the key. And with a seed, uh, seed round that we raised, we managed to, to not only introduce our four diagnostics, but also to grow to, I think it was uh, 40, 50 clinics at a time. And then, so I showed that this model works you know, you know, at a small scale. And then we went through it to raise the Series A and I added more diagnostic devices, and we started to integrate them to be able to bring all those markers into one place and eventually offer them to the doctor um, on a tablet. Um, and, uh, and, um, and that's where, where the CSA helped us expanding into, into the close to 400 clinics today. But also, we knew from the very beginning that just placing diagnostic devices is not enough. I mean, in a market where there is very little money spent on diagnostics, so diagnostics for us has, for, for us has been always the beginning, and we always say, you know, diagnostic is just a beginning. 
at that time we didn't exactly know what what else can we bring there but we realized over time by spending time with the clients that one needs to be able to monitor chronic patients so then we decided to build um, a, a very basic patient management platform um and now we're we're preparing for our next round or series b uh, and as we understand much better the needs uh, of a small nurse-led medical practice, we also realize that their biggest need alongside, so they always tell us, I want to have a lab in my in my, in my medical facility. But the reality, they, they also need financing. They don't have access to financing. They, they need working capital to buy more meds, to build more beds, to build, to, 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 uh, to increase the capacity of, of, their, of their medical practice. So, so we're really working um, now on a, on a basic step-by-step say module-by-module operating system for those practices, you know, starting with building, continuing with the expense side, to be able to understand um, uh, the flows, the financial flows into those small, let's call them medical merchants, because the reality, they're all small and small entrepreneurs, SMEs, uh, for them to be able to, uh, um, for us to be able to provide this data to potential financiers which are today shy to cover the sector because there's very little visibility on the financial flows of those nurse practices. So that's kind of how the step-by-step we've been building from a pilot into, into the various funding rounds. And now we position ourselves for the for the next round to show not only scalability of the diagnostics model, but scalability of something much bigger than just diagnostics. Oh, that's exciting. Can you share a little bit about what's next on the product roadmap or are you just going to wait until... It's announced. <laughs> no, so really, the the, the roadmap is is uh, is going into into thinking. You know, how do we how do we build this operating system? But this very basic operating system uh, to 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 capture the financial flaws and operational flaws of those small medical facilities today. One of those small clinics makes, let's say, five thousand dollars a month, and then um, they make a profit. There's the reason they are there. There's the reason there are, there are seven and a half thousand out of the fifteen thousand private facilities. Because every nurse who wants to wants to make a, a bit more money will go and then open a small clinic next to another one, and you end up with this many. They're all, you know, most of them are profitable, but they make a, a small living. Um, they can't grow because they don't have money to grow, as I mentioned earlier. So why they can't? Why they don't have money? Because no one can finance them. Because no one knows, uh, you know, their their, their PNL. No one knows their, how much, uh, you know, how much money do they build the clients? Um, and most of the, those medical expenses are out of the pocket, by the way, for the for the patients. So so it's really getting into into an operating system um, uh, while also collecting. Um, uh, uh, medical data, which uh, which uh, insurance companies or other payers are interested into. So we really try to bring partners in those medical facilities. On one, on on the payer side, the only two and a half people insured in uh, two and a half uh, percent of people insured in Kenya, for example. And Kenya is one of the, <laughs> the biggest uh, insured com- countries in Africa, uh, after South Africa. So bring insurance, but insurance cannot come in because they don't have, they don't know anything about the patients. They can't price their policies and also bring financiers for the working capital and the assets of that uh, small clinic. So that's really the system uh, behind this that we're building currently. Wow. So how has uh, the COVID crisis impacted your business over the last year? Has there been any major shift? Like like everywhere in the world, that's what we've seen, you know, when COVID started, right? Patients stayed home. Patients didn't go, didn't go anymore to the GPs, and we've seen this in the US, we've seen this in Europe. Obviously, COVID patients went to hospitals, but but all the kind of the primary and secondary care has been uh, has suffered a lot. So obviously, we are B two B 
company today. So we place diagnostic devices in a small clinic. If the clinic doesn't have patients anymore, you know, they can't pay for it. They can't pay back the, the, the leasing fee. So it was a bit challenging in, in, in uh, the beginning. But, but, but also, I think COVID brought such a... Such a such a a long-awaited awareness around uh, around healthcare in in emerging markets and healthcare in general, um, but in our markets, it brought awareness around uh, around the fact that healthcare is not just about HIV and malaria. It's healthcare is about people. You know, more people die from uh, uh, diabetes and cardiac diseases than they die from 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 malaria and infectious diseases and, and COVID actually, right? So, so the, the, we've seen actually that there were a couple of months where, you know, our clinics um, didn't have uh, enough revenue to pay us, but, but you know, the, those entrepreneurs are very resilient. They managed to actually turn out or turn, you know, turn around and then brought back patients and, uh, and, you know, healthcare is very, very much about health, about, uh, about um, life or death. So people went back uh, and then clinics started to make revenue. And then the market went back to the initial, went back to the initial, to the pre-COVID stage in healthcare, at least after a couple of months. Wow. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, obviously this is one challenge, but I'm sure that as a entrepreneur and as a founder, uh, and especially you know in in this type of market, you have faced numerous challenges. I think it's important to discuss not just the kind of wins that you know take place when starting a company, um, and the successes that I think are so obvious and apparent. I think it's important to also talk about what happens behind the scenes. You know, how do you deal with adversity? How do you deal with challenges that come up? How do you stay motivated when when things are tough? I'm wondering if you could speak to that and, um, you know, how you've dealt with that as an entrepreneur for so long. Actually, the biggest challenge to date in Ilara hasn't been operational, but it, it was it's been the team. And we, we know that a lot of startups uh, fail, uh, not because of the market or the product, but because of the team and not because of the financing, but because of the, of the, of the, of the misalignments in the team. So late uh, 2019, after a number of months of misalignment with the core team on, on what type of company wanted to build, uh, I had to make the tough decision to rebuild um, the whole management team at the time. And it was a small, very small uh, management co-founding team. And, um, and um, the thing we, we, we came out stronger from that team crisis and ended up rebuilding the core uh, with people who are really aligned on the mission and vision of Ilara. Uh, around making early detection and preventative healthcare accessible through redefining this primary care in Africa by bringing uh, novel diagnostics and digital solutions to those underserved communities. So, so team is super important, and that's where we. I saw. I mean, I saw that this issue as an entrepreneur in the past, not not at that level. I saw it as an investor in companies which failed because of, you know misalignments between the founders and in the management team. But as the first time where I saw it so strongly in, in my own company. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's amazing. It takes a lot of um, maturity and, um, you know, just takes a lot of, I guess, uh, confidence uh, to be able to, to, to kind of point out what's not working and also what just needs to be revised because every stage of a company is very different and, and what a company needs is, is going to dr- you know dramatically shift over the course of its uh, life cycle. So 
I just think that that's wonderful that you made that decision um, because alignment on mission is incredibly important. I've seen that too in my uh, tenure. Exactly. And look, motivation, you ask me like what, con- what continues to motivate me. It's really my, my passion for, for what I do is, is, is so deep uh, and, and that's literally, literally part of my life, uh, which I think is very, very important when you build a business. It's not just a business. It's actually a, a life. And, and, uh, and my passion for Africa and for delivering better care to those communities is, is so strong that, um, you know, I think this, this is what has made also a massive difference. And, and look, we're, we're still growing. We're, you know, uh, I think the future will, will, will say if what we're building here is going to be massive or not, but at least we're making a massive difference. And, and my goal is to, to make a difference, but also to bring value to our investors and our stakeholders. So that's, that's something which keeps me, <laughs> keeps me up overnight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I've been, you know, thinking a lot about the idea of like, you know, societal worth, like what does society think a company, a product, a person is worth, you know, and I think, um, the, the impact that you have had on the communities in Africa is just so massive. So, I mean, that alone, regardless of other financial implications, I mean, I think that alone is, is, uh, incredible. I mean, I want to talk a little bit about, um, some books that have inspired you on this path. I think it's really interesting to peek behind the curtain, uh, and take a look at the bookcases of founders and just kind of get a sense of what has inspired them, what's stayed with them. And so I'm just curious, you know, it could be a book, you know, in the industry of healthcare, or it could just be a book on startup, you know, uh, being a founder and, and what that's like, or it could just be like a completely, you know, different, uh, book on fiction that may have inspired you from a, from a different perspective. So I just love to open the door and ask that question. What book or books have inspired you the most on your path? Sure. I mean, that's, that's a great question. I actually read one book a week or I'd rather listen to one book, a, one book a week. So my goal, uh, it was my goal this year to is to to get to over sixty books. Uh, I'm about forty for now, so I hope I'm going to reach it. Um, but um, so I read a lot of uh, you know healthcare or or longevity or you know um, um, age age um, related um, or anti aging books. But but I actually read a really interesting book. Uh, it was my last my book, the book last week, and um, it's a book called uh, Out Innovate by um, Alex Lazarov and. The, this book actually it, it compares um, the frontier market entrepreneurs with the Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, and kind of the the the, um, the conclusion is that the frontier market entrepreneurs, unlike the Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, need to build a full stack of companies. So it's not just a and this goes back to Ilara. We're not just a diagnosis company. We started with diagnosis, but we need to build the full stack. We Acquiring the devices, bring it to Africa, test them, install them, lease them. So we finance them, we, we integrate them, we build a platform for the clinics. We think of deeper than just diagnostics because there's no ecosystems in those markets. In frontier and emerging markets, there's no other companies doing the, the, the other parts of the ecosystem. So one is to actually, a, a frontier market entrepreneur needs to build this ecosystem. And um and also, we need to think profitability. So the other learning from the book uh, is we need to think profitability immediately because, you know, it's not just growth at any price because there's, uh, there's not that much funding uh, uh, available as in, in the Valley or in, in more developed parts of the world. Um, and I think the third thing that I took out of this book is, is we need to think global immediately. 
the markets where we are, the individual markets may be too small for one thing. And and that's exactly what we see in Kenya. Kenya, you know, it, it's a it's a 45, 50 million people, but is is too small for just a couple of diagnostics. So one is to add a thing, multi-product, full stack to cover one market, or take that product, you know, from early stage into other markets. And I'm actually now in South Africa because we're launching Lara Health in South Africa in, in a you know slightly more mature market. Um, um, so I, that's really, really good book, and I would recommend it to to have whoever you know is interested by uh, by this topic. And the book is called Out Innovate by Alex. What's Out, you know, Out Innovate. Yeah, by Alex Lazarov. Okay, perfect. So we're going to wrap up, but I wanted to ask you one last question, Emilian. I wanted to know what has surprised you the most while you've been on this path. I think um, you know, even if I knew um that the team and I gotta back go back to kind of the team thing. Even if I knew the team is number one thing, and I've seen it again as an investor, as a as an entrepreneur before, I was taken by surprise by this early misalignment in vision and mission uh in the early management team. Um and also um I was I think on the on the positive side, I was actually surprised of this resilience during COVID, resilience of our clients, small medical businesses, to these this, this market downturns. Um, and, and there will be other downturns. But what I've seen in Africa and, and in, the med, in, the, in, in our clients is one thing, but I've seen it over and over again in other entrepreneurs, in other smallest, in other SMEs, is this massive, massive resilience. People, people are there and whatever happens, they turn around and they build amazing, amazing businesses to feed their families, but also to provide, you know, better quality of services to their clients. Mm, that's amazing. <laughs> it's very inspiring. The resiliency of humans. I love that. Oh, thank you so much for your time, Emilian. I, I learned a lot. And uh, where can people find you? Are there any resources you can point folks to? Where? What's the website for Alara Health? Is it just alarahealth.com? Yeah, it's ilarathealth.com. I'm actually, um, uh, I will have a website soon. Actually, next week I'm, I'm, I'm launching, uh, I'm putting live at millionpopa.com, um, which is going to be a, more like a blog about uh, my motivation, the books I read, the things I invest into as, a, as an investor, because I also invest uh, you know, in fellow entrepreneurs on the continent. Uh, so this is going to go live next week. Otherwise, on LinkedIn, um, you know, I'm posting uh, uh, different uh, different views. And, uh, um, so yeah, amazing. Okay, well, we'll include those all in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you so much for awesome. your time. <laughs> Thank you so much, Yasmin. Thank you. And for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening to Startup Confessionals. 